Hi, I'm Danny Kruick from the 6pm congregation, and I'm going to be reading with you from Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them, The kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the, its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Hello, my name is Simon, and I'm going to continue reading from verse 13. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The seventy-two returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you, Jeff, for that uh, warm welcome and introduction. And I'm from CMS, as Jeff has said. And can I say thank you very much, Courage, for 
being a partner with CMS and continuing, continue, continuing your relationship with the Forrest family. We appreciate your support for that family and uh, thank you again for having me here uh, this week. Recently, I've been working my way through the book of Isaiah and it is an exhausting book, but a wonderful book. In it, Isaiah sees God's vision of his mission for the whole creation, which will be achieved through and by his suffering servant. The vision starts with God's people who were battered and bruised, Isaiah 1, 5 and 6. Due to their own stubbornness, the rejection of the Lord, it is the consequences of their own self-indulgence. But it ends with a glorious renewed heaven and earth. People from all nations bowing down before the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the vision we need as our eternity is secured in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that vision will be a reality where we'll be with him for all eternity. What a great thing. And we need to be reminded of that, particularly of COVID-19. See, COVID-19 says we're limited. Uh, we must never think, though, that the mission of the Lord is on hold. Jesus is still at work and we might be locked in, but the gospel goes out, even if it's online like right now. I want to uh, set this report of the 72 in Luke chapter 10 in its immediate context within the gospel itself and with the, within the Bible as a whole. So what I'm doing is a bit of an overview and not just an in-depth study of verse-by-verse verse look at this passage. My first point is this. There is a mission within the mission. So the mission of the 72 is within a bigger mission, and it's the mission of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, we read this. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And in Luke chapter 13, verse 33, we read this. Jesus said, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. See, Jesus is fully aware that he is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And he chooses to go to Jerusalem, aware that that is the place of certain death for him. And that's his mission. He's not going to Jerusalem simply so he can return to heaven, but because he is determined to save his people. And Jesus' mission is to be crucified for all. For there is no other way that a man or a person can be saved but through what Jesus has done. For his people to be spared from the wrath of God, the innocent one is cursed, and the guilty us can be forgiven. That is Jesus' mission. In July 2018, in Thailand, 12 boys and a coach were trapped in a cave for 17 days. They lost an average of two kilos each. One man, Sanam Gunam, died in his efforts to rescue them. The team continued, even though after he died, determined to save these people. And that's just a little bit of what Jesus is like. He's determined to save his people. And so he goes to Jerusalem. He was fully aware of the cost that it would cost him to save his people. 
And unlike Sanangunan, his was no accident, but a deliberately going to Jerusalem to die for his people. Meanwhile, Jesus' disciples in chapter 9, verse 46, argue about who will be the greatest. <laughs> they are more concerned with what I call the wow, now, life. They're concerned in the temporal, the power, the prestige that goes with association of being with the Messiah. Imagine they're thinking of Messiah living on earth, ruling, and they're going to be with him, ruling God's people and conquering the world in a sense. But remember Jesus in Luke chapter 4, when he's tempted in the wilderness after 40 days of no food, and Satan comes to him and says, you bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the, the world. And Jesus rejects it. Jesus rejects the way I now life. For Jesus to live was to live for the mission. And every day, friends, you and I will battle with this. Will we live for the wow now life or will we live for the mission? You know, I, when I was a, a young a teacher, not a young teacher, not long ago, teaching a, a group of kids about Jesus at Easter, a year four kid said to me this, people forsake their needs in pursuit of their wants. Not bad for a year four kid, is it? People forsake their needs, talking about Easter, forsake Jesus, the one they need, in pursuit of their wow now life. No, not Jesus. Jesus put us first in, his all, in all his life. He gave his all for us right down to his very last heartbeat. Well, that's the mission. That's Jesus' mission. And this mission we're looking at is within that mission. My second point is this, mission preparation. Notice the very first verse in chapter 10, verse 1. After this, Jesus appointed 72 and sent them ahead. After what? After what? In chapter 9, verse 57 to 62, Jesus interacts with three people. And the second one says, Lord, let me go and bury my dad first before he is following him. Now, Jesus is talking about the cost and commitment. And before he was following Jesus, he said, let me go and bury my dad. Now, burying your father was a huge event back in that day. It was more important than studying the law, temple service, and sacrificing the Passover. And Jesus said, this excuse of burying your dad is unthinkable. I've asked you to follow me. And he says it in this way, you let the dead bury their own dead. As for you, you go proclaim the kingdom of God. See, following and mission are the highest priority of Jesus. And mission, Jesus says, is costly. Jesus was actually leading people into the mission. Follow me. Where is he taking them? Into the mission. Now, in chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, Jesus says there's a costly element. You, there's danger. You'll be lambs among wolves. Verse 3, vulnerable. In verse 4, he says, take nothing with you. So we need to be trusting that Jesus will supply all that we need. And in verses 5 to 7, he says, stay in a house that accepts your peace. See where Jesus is going to open up doors and provide people to talk to. 
mission is serious. And in verse 8, he says, "Welcome when you're welcomed, you stay, you teach, you train, you bring hope. Be a blessing to the people. One of our missionaries in her country, there was recent terrorist activity aimed at Westerners. And when she was on home assignment, someone asked her, she said, aren't you scared? And she said, you know, when I walked down the street before the terrorist activity, people used to look at me and go, far enough, far enough, far enough, in a negative way. But now after the terrorist activity, people go, far enough, far enough. How come she's not scared? She went on to say that, look, what hope do these people have without the gospel? So she blesses them with truth. She showed passionate to teach the vulnerable, the abused, the afflicted, those without hope. Central to all her reasoning for going and staying is Jesus Christ. She said after that, I'm more likely to die of a car accident or of the pollution. Now see how mission is costly for her. But in verse 10, Jesus says this. If you are not welcomed, you are to walk off. And notice when the disciples would walk off, the potential for blessing, the potential of hearing about salvation literally walks away. And in verse 16, he says, Jesus says this, He who listens to you listens to me, and he who rejects you rejects me and the one who sent me. See what the mission does? The mission provides opportunity for people to escape the very judgment and wrath of God. And if you look at the rest of the chapter 10, it's all about the judgment of those who reject the word of God. But they've got the chance to receive the blessing of salvation through this message, uh, mission. Global mission is important because it's, it's, the world is under the judgment of God. And you and I know, who know Jesus, that salvation is at hand. For we know that he was cursed for those under the judgment of God. And so they can escape the judgment of God if they come and trust and rely on what Jesus has done. Mission work provides the opportunity to receive the blessing of salvation. Well, my third point is the mission report now. In chapter 10, verse 17, the disciples actually return from their mission and they're full of enthusiasm. You'll notice they'll go, woohoo, even the demons flee from us. We had power over the demons and there's a euphoric time for them. They witness the power of God, the power of the gospel, seeing God at work in, in and around them. But look at verse 20. And I ask, why does Jesus say verse 20? Because verse 20 almost dampens their enthusiasm. See what Jesus says? Don't rejoice that you have power over the spirits. But then he says to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, why does he do this? Why does he say, you know, don't get excited about the power of the demons you have over them, but rather rejoice in your name in heaven? Well, I want to give you a couple of reasons. And one of them is this. The first one is this. I think Jesus is saying, 
I want to bring you back down to earth. And he brings the bigger picture to the disciples. In verse 19, he reminded them, I gave you the power. I gave you the authority. It was my gift to you that this mission was going to be successful. See, their successful mission is in anticipation of Jesus' own success by dying on the cross and raising to life. That's the successful mission. And he wants them to be reminded that there's a bigger mission. And he wants to remind us that it is by Jesus' authority the gospel mission becomes successful. Global mission is by Jesus' authority. We don't go out there on our own. We go out there with his authority, with his blessing. Our success in any mission ought to humble us and to realise it's not my talent, it's not my gift, it's not me, but it's simply by Jesus' authority. And our success is this, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And when he says to rejoice that your names are written in heaven, he's saying rejoice in the salvation that my mission brings. It is like Jesus is saying to the disciples, don't get carried away with yourself and success. Well, that's one reason. Another, I think it is because of this. It is a reminder that the mission is not yet over. And really, for the disciples, this was just the beginning. There's more to do for Jesus himself. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And imagine him. Here he is on his way to Jerusalem with the cross bearing heavily on his mind. And here are the disciples saying, Woohoo, the demons submit to us. We're having a wow of a time. What a great mission we had. But for Jesus, he's thinking of the bigger picture what he has to do. And with three billion people, we must not think any of our short-term little mission things, endeavours, take away from the fact that there are three billion people who live in gospel-poor regions, who are unable to actually walk up and just enter a church or walk up and talk to a Christian. Three billion people have very little opportunity of hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, the mission is far from over. There is much to do before we have a world that knows Jesus. You know, we know that the mission is not over until Jesus returns. We know that. And COVID-19 doesn't stop that fact. The mission's far from over. And in chapter 10, verse 2, what does Jesus say? Pray that the Lord would send out more labourers into the harvest field. I want you to be praying for yourself and your role in this mission. That the Lord might use us if we don't go overseas or as missionaries. Perhaps we are used to support and send missionaries. But we all need to play a part in a world that knows Jesus. Well, a third thing that I think Jesus is doing by drawing our attention to your names are written in heaven and rejoicing that, is Jesus is getting them to focus on eternity. 
Focus on him, his glory, the cost and the victory in Jesus. Mission will not always be wonderful. And when the mission gets tough, what do you do? You rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You focus on Jesus and his achievements. The disciples will suffer much. Peter will be crucified upside down eventually. And during it all, all the toughness, all the good, all the bad, all the difficult, we need to look to Jesus. Remember Dr. Livingston? He spent 32 years in Africa as a missionary and saw one convert. How did he keep going? He fixes his eyes on Jesus. And Nepal, 20, 30 years ago, Nepal, ministry in there was like plowing up concrete. Now, it is the fastest growing church in the midst of persecution. Fix your eyes on Jesus. We need to do that when the mission gets tough. It is hard, Jack, to keep going and keep proclaiming Christ to a world that is hard-hearted and stubborn. But we remember that Jesus wrote our names in heaven. And all that we have in the long run, and all that we are, is a gift from the Lord and to be used for the mission. Let me ask you, when was the last time that you actually just rejoiced that your name is written in heaven? Rejoiced that Jesus has gifted you with eternal life. Rejoice that he bore the cost of your shortcomings. You know, when we're tempted to just go and live the ordinary wow, wow, now life for all the things that we can do here in this world. When you're tempted just to settle for this world and nothing more, you need to focus on Jesus, for he's written your names in heaven. You know, sometimes I hear people say, who would ever want to leave the Hawkesbury? And when I go to the Shire, they do the same thing. Whoever would want to leave the Shire? Well, hopefully, when Jesus says that he wants you to be involved in mission somewhere else, Lastly, let me suggest this. These words, rejoice that your names are written in heaven, clearly link mission to following Jesus and his cross-bearing activity. Following and, following and mission go hand in hand. Followers follow Jesus, we're into the mission. And do you realise the only ones that heard those words, rejoice that your name is written in heaven, are the ones who went on mission and came back. The ones who decided to bury their father, to say goodbye to their family, the ones who said, I'd prefer to live for the way I now life than count the cost of mission, do not hear these words. And those who don't listen to Jesus and don't follow Jesus are faced with the prospects of judgment because they did not listen to Jesus. Only followers in the mission hear the words of security. Your salvation is locked in. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Well, let me conclude by saying this. 
if our eternal security, if we're following Christ and living for him, is that our names are written in heaven. And whether we send people to be missionaries or are sent ourselves, whoever we are following Jesus, we ought not to be afraid to invest in the success of Jesus' successful mission. And we ought to assist however we can so that the gospel of Christ can go out to the nations. Remember Isaiah? He saw the nations bowing down before Jesus Christ the Lord. That's God's vision. That's God's mission. And whether we're sent or sending, it's costly for those who follow Christ in the mission. And all followers are invited to share in the costly mission. When Jesus was crucified, the disciples were devastated. All their dreams of the way are now life, you know, next to the king, living victorious lives were shattered. So much so that they locked themselves in rooms, they hid themselves, they were driven by fear. But when they saw the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, mission became their greatest priority. Then the glorious kingdom outshone all their previous expectations. Knowing that their names were written in heaven and that Jesus is the gift of all gifts, motivated them to take the gospel to the nations. Following Jesus into the mission and being involved in helping and turning the vision that Isaiah had into a reality. That's what we're doing. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. As you share the good news with people, you are actually inviting them and bringing people in to the reality of the vision. Let's keep on investing in the mission by sacrificially giving, praying, or going, or serving as best we can with all we are and all we have. Amen.